Peace be upon you. So I got a question. When was the last time that from the bottom of your heart, you thanked God for the creation of the planet Jupiter? Now, before you react and think, you know, why would I thank God for such a distant planet? I believe uh, Jupiter is 365 million miles away from Earth, depending on the, uh, the orbit. And, um, you know, why would I thank God for this planet? I, I barely ever think about this planet. Uh, if it wasn't for, uh, you know, science class and science documentaries, I probably wouldn't even know that this planet exists. But if it wasn't for Jupiter, life as we know it, human civilization, uh, even potentially the planet Earth, could most likely not be in existence. And uh, it isn't far-fetched to make such a claim. And we were able to witness this firsthand in an event that took place in 1994. So in uh, 1994, there was a comet that was identified and named Shoemaker that was entering the solar system. And luckily for us, the planet Jupiter's gravitational pull pulled this uh, comet and its, uh, all its fragments into its orbit and uh, had it collide directly with Jupiter. And based on the size of Jupiter and the fact that there isn't any uh, intelligent life living on Jupiter, uh, this was a mere blip in its entire planet. Uh, Jupiter's mass is two and a half times larger than all the other planets in the solar system combined. Uh, it is absolutely massive. I believe that you can put about 11 Earths side by side for the diameter of Jupiter, that its volume is uh, a thousand times larger than Earth, meaning that you could fit a thousand Earths inside the volume of uh, Jupiter. So this is a truly massive planet, and it's the fifth planet from the sun, and thank God for its gravitational pull that it deflected these uh, asteroids, this comet, from uh, hitting uh, Earth. If one of these fragments was to make contact with Earth, it could be a mass extinction event. It could obliterate Earth from existence. And for example, the first fragment when it collided with Jupiter, the crater zone that it left after collision was 3,700 miles wide. The radius of the Earth is about 3,700 miles or uh, 6,000 kilometers. And this was just one of many impacts. In total, in about six days, they recorded 21 distinct impacts that uh, landed uh, on Jupiter. The uh, largest one occurred on July 18th, and uh, they called it Fragment G. And when Fragment G hit Jupiter, the detonation diameter was 12,000 kilometers, or 7,500 miles across. And this was just one impact. They estimate that the amount of energy released from this one single impact was 6 million megatons of TNT. That is equivalent to 600 times the world's nuclear arsenal, meaning that if every nation that possesses nuclear weapons simultaneously detonated every single nuclear weapon they had, it would only be 1 600th the amount of energy possessed in this one single collision. And again, if it wasn't for Jupiter's gravitational pull being in our solar system, being this celestial bodyguard for the planet Earth, 
we could have been annihilated, meaning 1994 could have been the last year of human civilization. And is this something not to be appreciative for? Is this something not to just be in marvel for? That God has designed such a system for us to be so protected and completely oblivious to all the blessings that God has given us. In chapter 16, verse 18, it reads, If you count God's blessings, you cannot possibly encompass them. God is forgiver, most merciful. There's nothing we can do. It is impossible for us to encompass all of the blessings that God has bestowed upon us. Events like this, the fact that we even have the technology to detect such a comet, to be able to witness for ourselves the cataclysmic impact and theorize what that could have been if it collided with earth, is a true blessing. And God says that he's forgiver most merciful because think of all the innumerable events that have taken place that God spared us, that God allowed us to continue living, to allow the human population to continue prospering. That any single one of these events that we are completely oblivious to could have changed the entire destiny of civilization. Earth could have not existed. And we take this for granted, but we have to be conscientious. We have to be continuously in awe, in an absolute appreciation of the precision that God has bestowed upon us to allow us to be able to live so comfortably. And so many of these characteristics of planet Earth are absolutely uh, amazing. People used to think that Earth was a, a common, that you could look throughout the, all the heavenly bodies and find numerous uh, planets that are just like Earth. And the more the scientists studied, the more they realized just how rare Earth really is. And every day, every week, we're finding new discoveries of just how awesome of a planet earth is in chapter 25 verse 2 it says the one to whom belongs all sovereignty of the heavens and the earth he never had a son nor does he have any partners in sovereignty he created everything in exact measure he precisely designed everything and in the footnote we read when we launch astronauts into space we measure precisely the amount of food water oxygen and other needs throughout the journey similarly God has launched us into space on board Spaceship Earth, and he has designed all kinds of renewable provisions for us and other creatures, a perfect design. Think, for example, of the symbiotic relationship between us and the plants. We use the oxygen they produce in photosynthesis, while they use the carbon dioxide we produce in respiration. This is per God's design, this perfect symbiotic relationship and perfectly calibrated and designed in exact measure for us to be able to sustain and thrive in life. Have you ever looked up in the moon and you realize that the moon, relative to other planets in our uh, solar system, is a rather large moon for the size of the Earth. It just happens that it's about one-fourth the size of Earth. And because of its size and its location, it causes the Earth to have a tilt of about 23.5 degrees, allowing us to have four seasons, allowing us to have climate control on planet Earth. The Earth is covered with 71% water, which is an abundant amount of water, 
and it's perfect for calibrating the temperature because water has a very high heat specificity, it means it requires a lot of energy to increase or decrease the temperature of water just by one degree. And this is perfectly suited for life, which requires relative balance of temperature in order to thrive. And the fact that the earth is the exact distance from the sun to allow for uh, um, uh, liquid water and that these proportions end up working out perfectly in a way that you can't even imagine. So Earth is the only planet in the entire solar system that is able to witness a perfect solar eclipse. And it just happens to be on the one planet that has the intelligent life to be able to appreciate and benefit from a perfect solar eclipse. Each year, the moon moves away from the Earth roughly about one inch, meaning that if this life, the life that we know today, existed a million years before a million years later, we would not be able to benefit from this perfect solar eclipse. And it just happens that the timing, the proportions are all perfect, that the moon is roughly one-fourth, uh, sorry, 400 times smaller than the sun and 400 times closer to the earth than the sun, such that at the right timing, the moon is going to perfectly block out the sun, leaving nothing but the chromosphere. Now, while this is an absolutely breathtaking event, there's something else that uh, is uh, very revolutionary. Because of a perfect solar eclipse, imagine this being the largest experiment that God has placed us in the universe to be able to observe. We were able to confirm Einstein's theory of general relativity. In 1919, uh, a researcher went out in the uh, uh, solar eclipse and located the position of two stars that naturally would not be able to be observed if the uh, sun's rays weren't being blocked by the moon. And then a year later, he went back to that same location and saw that the gravity of the sun bent the light of those two stars. And from that, we're able to confirm uh, that the uh, uh, Einstein's theory of general relativity in addition, because the moon perfectly blocks out the sun, leaving nothing but the chromosphere, we can use spectroscopy to determine what is a sun, or better yet, a star made of. And from that, we're able to determine that stars are made of hydrogen and helium, looking at the light spectroscopy. Then what we ended up were able to do because of this is we were able to go and look at these stars that are millions of light years away and be able to tell based on the shift of the light spectrum, that they were shifting towards the red spectrum, meaning that they were moving at tremendous speeds away from Earth. And if you extrapolate all these calculations backwards, what you end up getting is you realize that the stars and galaxies that are further away are also traveling at faster speeds than the ones that are closer to us. And all of this is simultaneously expanding. And if you extrapolate this backwards, what this proves is the Big Bang, that all this used to be one solid mass that God exploded into existence. And all this because we were able to witness a perfect solar eclipse. Even the makeup of the atmosphere is perfectly designed such that we are able to see the atmosphere. We're able to see beyond the atmosphere and stare at the stars and the galaxies. What if the atmosphere contained more nitrogen? 
What if we were in a place in the galaxy, in the Milky Way galaxy, closer to the center rather than towards the edge, the perimeter, um, where we would be hard to differentiate between the stars in our galaxies and the ones that are outside of our galaxy? And these are all random events that someone who doesn't believe in God has to attribute to pure chance. But we know is believing, submitting individuals. These are just blessings that allow us to be appreciative and marvel at the awesomeness of God. All this is perfectly designed. In 3637 it reads, Another sign for them is the night we remove the daylight therefrom, whereupon they are in darkness. The sun sets into a specific location according to the design of the Almighty, the Omniscient. The moon we design to appear in stages until it becomes like an old curved sheath. The sun is never to catch up with the moon, and the night and the day never deviate. Each of them is floating in its own orbit. So this is perfectly designed by God. And even the sun and the moon, just like Jupiter, serve as celestial bodyguards for the planet Earth. The sun in all its mass probably deflects so many asteroids and comets that could be... Uh, heading towards Earth and pull it into its gravitational orbit. And if you look at the uh, the moon, the moon, uh, because it has no atmosphere and all the craters that it has, you know, any single one of those could have hit Earth and could have caused real havoc and damage. And all these are just, you know, blessing upon blessing upon blessing for us. The fact that the core of the Earth is made of molten iron. And God says in the uh, chapter 57 that he sent down the iron wherein there is strength and this iron core of the earth creates a magnetic field that protects the earth from harmful rays to protect the life on earth from being able uh, from being uh, hit by these rays and it takes this cosmic degree uh, debris and it sends it to the two most remote locations on planet earth where life barely resides and that's in the north and south pole in the atmosphere, it blocks out a lot of the harmful rays, the UV rays, the X-rays that can be detrimental to carbon-based life. And it allows in the light, the visible light spectrum that is necessary for photosynthesis. And photosynthesis is what allows us to have food, to have vegetation, to have life. And if any of these weren't there, none of this would exist. Even the makeup of the atmosphere is an absolute blessing. If the earth was slightly bigger, the gravitational pull could be too much and it could suck in the atmosphere, leaving it barren, making us have no atmosphere, no oxygen, no protection from the uh, harmful rays. And if it was too small, then uh, the uh, atmosphere wouldn't uh, be gravitationally held uh, static to the earth, that the proportions are just right. Even the makeup of the atmosphere, the atmosphere contains 78% nitrogen, 21% oxygen, 0.9% uh, argon, and 0.03% carbon. And these proportions are perfect. One of the, uh, the, the items that's just worth dwelling on is the amount of oxygen in the atmosphere. Oxygen is absolutely necessary for combustion and the harnessing of fire. And if it wasn't for the human capability of harnessing fire, we would not be able to scientifically advance as, as a society. And for each percent increase in oxygen, 
the likeliness of combustion increases by 70%. Now imagine a home that's 70% more susceptible to catching on fire or a forest that's 70% more susceptible to start a uh, forest fire and how much harder it would be to put out a fire once it starts with just 1% increase in oxygen. What if instead of 21% oxygen, it was 30% oxygen? We would not be able to harness the power of fire without causing severe destruction on anyone who tried, or any lightning storm, or any fire that would take place would just be absolutely devastating. And then on the flip side, if you decrease the amount of oxygen by 1%, inversely, the likeliness of combustion decreases also by 70%, meaning it becomes 70% harder to start a fire. It's 70% more energy to try to cook food, to try to boil water. These things that we take for granted, this perfect balance of exactly 21% oxygen in the atmosphere, is that something that we thought about, that we said, thank you, God, for these perfect proportions, for allowing us to have you know, the right amount of uh, uh, oxygen and nitrogen, for allowing us to be able to see the celestial bodies, for allowing us to make these discoveries. And the Earth also contains 91 unique naturally occurring elements. The human being requires about 27 different distinct elements. There's about 11 major elements that are needed to create a human being and about 13 or so uh, minor elements, trace elements that are necessary for human life. And if you look at a single cell organism, that requires about 16 different elements, meaning if one of these elements were absent, the likeliness of being able to create life, just the, the, the matter to create life, would be in severe jeopardy. And some of these elements aren't absolutely necessary for life, but they are absolutely necessary for scientific advancement. You take something like sand that's ubiquitous throughout the entire planet. In sand, we create glass. So all the glass that we have, all the fiber communication we have is because of sand. Also from sand, you get silicon. All electronics are heavily dependent on silicon. The phone that you're probably listening to uh, this podcast or if uh, you're on a computer, uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you know all this is possible because of these deposits that God has placed or lithium that's necessary for battery uh, consumption um, in order to be able to have batteries to, for our smartphones, for our laptops, for our desktops. You know, we need these substances that aren't absolutely necessary for life, but they're absolutely necessary for the advancement of technology. And these are things that we all benefit for, from. And it's things that we have to be absolutely appreciative for. In 36... 33, it reads, One sign for them is the dead land. We revive it and produce from it grains for their food. We grow in it gardens of date palms and grapes, and we cause springs to gush out therein. This is to provide them with fruits and to let them manufacture with their own hands whatever they need. Would they be thankful? Glory be to the one who created all kinds of plants from the earth, as well as themselves and other creations that they do not even know. So God put these elements, these components on planet Earth, on this spaceship that we're residing, a renewable uh, form of uh, water restoration, uh, clean air, uh, plants that take our carbon dioxide and transfer that into oxygen for us to breathe. This perfect balance of everything God created so we can not only live, but we can thrive. And it's something that we have to continuously 
be appreciative for. One of the things that a lot of people take for granted is we live on land and the crust of the earth is so thin relative to the entire diameter of the earth that it's equivalent to the peel of an apple compared to the uh, what's uh, below the peel. And that's the equivalent of the crust of the earth versus what's underneath the crust. And we live on this crust. Now there's something called plate tectonics that it's a absolute blessing and a miracle that we are not continuously experiencing magnitude 10 and above earthquakes. And it's because when these plates shift, not only do they move nutrients throughout the, uh, uh, the, the earth and they uh, uh, are responsible for the, uh, the carbon cycle and so much other infinite blessings that we can't even comprehend, they form mountains. And these mountains serve as pegs stabilizers for earth in 78 6 it reads did we not make the earth habitable and the mountains stabilizers so this is all per god's design when's the last time you looked at the mountain and you said thank you god for placing these mountains for placing these stabilizers from keeping these plates from shifting from underneath our feet to allow us to have stability to the fact that a severe earthquake is a global event it's something of major news that this isn't a normal phenomenon. What a blessing. Even if you think that with the, uh, the moon moving from the earth roughly one inch each year, that if you went back a million years ago, the high and low tide differential was so large that if you go to some of these uh, hilltops and mountains next to the coast, you will see sea life fossils because in the past, the tides would go so high that it would reach the top of mountains next to the coast. And we just happen to live in a time where the tides are relatively mild. These are all reasons for us to be appreciative for. One of the arguments for the existence of God, and I, I personally at this point don't really care for the uh, atheists who denounce the existence of God because I believe the evidence is so overwhelming. So I consider this as a reason to be appreciative. The atheists claim the strongest argument, scientific argument, against uh, just all this happening by chance is the absolute precision in the fine-tuning of the universe. And Christopher Hitchens, in uh, one interview, when asked, what is the strongest argument for design, for the existence of God, he pointed towards the fine-tuning of the universe. So when the universe was created uh, in the Big Bang, a lot of these constants were arbitrarily selected in the sense where there is no reason to why they fell to where they are. But the reality is if they were shifted the slightest bit, and we're going to look at some of these, different from where they fell, life as we know it, the universe as we know it, would not have existed. For instance, the attractive force of the strong and weak nuclear force, the force of electromagnetism, the force of gravity, the speed of light, the mass of an electron, the proton, the neutron, the ratios of electrons, protons, neutrons, uh, dark energy, dark matter, all these were perfectly calibrated that if they were off by the most infinitesimal amount, none of this would be here right now. There would be no chemistry, there would be no planets, there would be no stars, galaxies, or universe to speak of. That these constants just happen to fall in the exact 
place where they were necessary in order to have a sustainable universe. The first one I want to look at is the gravitational constant. The force of gravity is determined by this gravitational constant. And if it varied by 1 times 10 to the 60th, none of us would exist. Meaning if gravity was just str stronger by 0, 0.0, add 60 zeros, 1. That gravity would either be too strong or too weak in order to be able to sustain a universe. That if you changed one part in 10 to the 60 zeros, just one part of that, then that is enough to basically throw out the perfect balance of the universe. And that's just one of the gravitational constants. And just to give you perspective to how large of a number 10 to the 60 is, so that's 10 with 60 zeros behind it. The number of cells we have in our body is 10 to the 14, meaning 10 with 14 zeros behind it. The number of grains of sand in the earth is 7.5 times 10 to the 18, meaning that you are astronomically more likely to pick one grain out of all the grains of sand in the earth than you are to be able to coincidentally have the right amount for the gravitational constant. That fools off by just one part in 10 to the 60th, we would have no universe. There are about 10 billion galaxies in the observable universe. The number of stars in a galaxy varies, but it's assuming, let's say there's 100 billion stars per galaxy. That means there's over 1 billion trillion stars or 10 to the 21 stars in the observable universe. And that's a pittance compared to 10 to the 60th for how many, uh, the, the exact precision of the gravitational constant. Even the Big Bang itself, the precision of the Big Bang in the expansion, known uh, as part of the expansion is the cosmological constant. This is just an arbitrary constant that was selected in the creation of the universe. That if the expansion was off by 10 to the 120th, meaning that's 10 with 120 zeros behind it, if it was off by just one, that the entire universe would either collapse on itself or expand too rapidly in order to be able to form stars, uh, let alone planets, uh, or any kind of heavenly bodies. That it was perfectly designed to expand exactly at the proportion designed by God. In such proportion, typically they say the probability of 10 to the 50th, meaning 10 with 50 zeros. If something is below that, they say it's zero. So what is the probability of the Big Bang expansion, this cosmological constant that's completely uh, arbitrary compared to say the gravitational constant or the strong and weak uh, nuclear force that this was so perfectly calculated to be 10 to the 120th that it was off by even the slightest infinitesimal amount we would have no big bang we would have no universe so all these have to fall in alignment and every single one of them is just adding a astronomical amount on top of an astronomical amount to the point that 10 to the 50th looks very generous compared to the probability that this all happened by chance. And there's one last um, uh, constant that I want to bring up, and this is, the, this is discovered by a mathematician by the name of uh, Penrose, and uh, it's the amount of energy, the perfect amount of energy, uh, sorry, entropy, that was necessary 
at the moment of the Big Bang. And this number is so astronomically small that if it was off by even the tiniest of tiniest of bit, we would not exist. And the number, this is how accurate it has to be. It has to be accurate within 1 times 10 to the 10 to the 123. Or put another way, this is 1 times 10 with 10 to, uh, 123 zeros to the power of. This number is so astronomically large that if you were trying to represent it and you took every single atom in the universe and every electron and every proton and every neutron to represent a zero, you would not be able to conceive how large of a number or how infinitesimally small of a change is necessary in order to uh, uh, the accuracy to depict what a Big Bang, uh, in order to have a successful Big Bang, to be able to create the stars, the planets, the, the galaxies, the, the universe at that. And um, it is absolutely mind-boggling. So again, that's 10 to the 10 to the 123. Wow. Meaning that if one part within that ex number, meaning you take, okay, there's 10 to the 80th atoms in the universe, you're more likely to pick not only an atom, but an electron within an atom within the universe that is a more likely probability than you are of arbitrarily having the right amount of energy uh, entropy at the time of the Big Bang that's necessary for the Big Bang to take place in order to facilitate stars, planets, and eventually life. In 2130, it reads, Do the unbelievers not realize that the heaven and the earth used to be one solid mass that we exploded into existence, and from water we made all living things? Would they believe? And we place on earth stabilizers, lest it tumbles with them, and we place straight roads therein that they may be guided. And we render the sky a guarded ceiling, yet they are totally oblivious to all the portents therein. And he is the one who created the night and the day and the sun and the moon, each floating in its own orbit. So think about all the innumerable blessings that God has given us that we are completely oblivious to, and just be in absolute awe that God has calculated all these perfectly. And if you think that God was able to do all this in perfect accuracy, what is God able to do in our lives? What detail is God putting into our lives in order to be able to make sure that everything is perfectly designed for us to grow and develop our souls from? I'm going to end with one verse, and this is 1434, and it is, and he gives you all kinds of things that you implore him for. If you count God's blessings, you can never encompass them. Indeed, the human being is transgressing, unappreciative. So God willing, let's not be unappreciative. Let's constantly be in a state of awe and uh, be appreciative of all the blessings that God has given us. And deep down from the bottom of your heart, we should thank God for Jupiter. Thank God for the moon, the sun, the gravitational constant, the cosmological constant, the expansion of the universe, all this God designed for us to be able to have this experiment, to have this one last chance to be redeemed into God's kingdom. So God willing, we're going to end there. If you guys got comments or questions, please hit us up at crontalk at gmail.com. And until next time, peace and God bless.